Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I just wanted to make a quick announcement before I started the actual podcast. When we recorded this show yesterday, it was before the NHL Department of Player Safety handed down the two-game suspension to Zach Cassian. Therefore, myself and Jim Howard, we talk about what potential suspension he could get or what kind of suspension we do or do not want him to get. But that happened before the NHL made the announcement. Cassian did get suspended for two games, as you all know by now. And I'm actually happy with that decision because he gets to play the Flames again as his first game back. So should be exciting to see what happens. Okay, just keep that in mind and hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Sal Barry and Jim Howard. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry, and along with me is Jim, not the goalie Howard. Today, hello everybody. Talk- hello, Jim Howard. Today we're going to talk about some of the happenings around the uh, NHL over the past couple of days. Uh, it's been a pretty exciting week of stuff, or past exciting half week at least. Um, as we look back, um, I understand you went to a hockey game. You're going to, well, you go to a lot of hockey games. You're a season ticket holder. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, went, to, went to a fun uh, Whalers night one. We'll get to that a little bit later. All right. Yeah. And uh, uh, been watching a lot of hockey. So, uh, you know, we want to start out with what everybody, you know, this morning I went to school. I bought my breakfast. I sit in a cafeteria area by the windows and just cool enjoy story, bro. Yeah, and I just sit there and I look at my phone and I was just reading everybody blowing up about the whole Battle of Alberta, Zach Cassian versus Matthew Kachuk. Not a fight. I don't know what you want to call it, a conflict. Uh, like when they don't want to call it a... It's more like it. I don't know. Is it an ass kicking if the other guy doesn't fight? Uh, all right. Well, let's... Um... Before we get into the uh, into opinions, let's just kind of roll through the details real fast. Yes. Uh, Kachuk uh, seemed to be, um, I don't want to necessarily say headhunting Cassian the whole game, but he definitely had his eye out for him and was leveling some pretty heavy hits. Um, while, you know, some some of the hits were definitely okay. They were fine. Some of them were very, very borderline where, yeah, head may not have been the initial point of contact, but it was really close to being the first. It was just glancing right through the shoulder and and going in for the head. And they were ones that were clearly not meant to just remove the player from the puck, but potentially meant to injure uh, and certainly get on his nerves. And they just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming out throughout the game. And uh, I, I, the the last hit before uh, to got ragdolled as, as the term seems to be floating around um, while that was not the worst hit, that was finally the straw that broke the camel's back um, is, is, Cassin's head was was down as it was a couple of times uh, because he was engaged with another player near the boards fighting for it. Chuck came barreling in, nailed the ever-loving crap out of him, knocked his helmet straight off of his head, and Cassin finally had enough of it. Got to to Chuck, 
grabbed him by the back of the jersey and threw him to the ice, beat him in the back, and then picked him up and threw him. When he tried to get up, he threw him back down again and kept on swinging before the refs broke it up. And Kasson later on, you know, is thankful that the uh, refs were late getting to him so he could get a few more swings in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 my opinion, and I, I'm just throwing this out there, um, none of this is necessarily great. Uh, Chuck, you know, was definitely pushing the limits on what was, a, you know, what was legally and morally the right thing to do in a game. Uh, and there is a difference. Um, Kasson had enough. Uh, clearly nothing was going to get called onto Chuck, so he had to take matters into his own hands. And he just went into beast mode and wailed on him. But the thing is, is that uh, I don't think that uh, T'Chuck was turtling, as a lot of people said. I think T'Chuck could not defend himself. Um, I, I think that he, because he had him by the back, there was really no way he could protect himself in that situation. Uh, T'Chuck did not want to drop the gloves. Uh, and for that, Kasson called him a, uh, a particular word later on. I'm not sure if we can say it on the, uh, on, on the podcast. Uh, we could do whatever not sure we how want. Many kids are listening. I don't know either, but yeah, you know, my girlfriend actually said, you know what? Cause she listened to one of our podcasts a few weeks ago, or I think she listened to one where you and I talked about Ronick and she's like, that's really good. I'm glad you guys keep the swearing to a minimum. It makes it for a general audience, you know, and then everybody could listen to it and, I guess that's okay. I mean, so are G-rated movies, right? I mean, they're for sure. a general audience, and, um, you know, we don't need to say the F word 20 times. But, I mean, I will say, I mean, we could quote it. It's out there. I mean, even, um, like, uh, I think it was Sportsnet or whoever I watched the, the clip on, I mean, Cassian called Kachuk a pussy, which uh, we'll talk about. I want to talk about that in a little bit. But what I want to say, a couple of just things off the, the, the top of my head. I mean, uh, Cassian needs to make that chin strap a little tighter because his helmet doesn't come off. It goes flying. Like, yes. I almost wonder if there's like a spring under his helmet that just goes boing and like just flies off because it flies oh. off. Like, there's nothing on there. I mean, maybe he needs to put a little bit of glue or something. I don't know, some like uh, some, toupee some glue, or something. glue or something. Yeah, yeah, to make it stick a little better because, I mean, his helmet just, it, it doesn't even look like. Like, usually, like, when a player gets hit hard, their helmet will slip forward, you know what sure. I mean? And, like, mm-hmm. um, and actually, you know, that's funny. That's the reason I was doing an article about guys who don't wear helmets. And Rod Langway, who played many years for the Washington Capitals without a helmet, he started his career with a helmet. And he got hit in the eye, and he had stitches in his eyelid. And he said when his helmet would slip forward, the rim of the helmet would rub the stitches on his mm-hmm. eye. Or it was, like, his eyelid or, like, his eyebrow and it was irritating the stitches. So he took the, he actually didn't wear a helmet for that reason. And then when it healed, he was just like, oh, I like this better. But he actually started playing with the helmet, but it was just funny that it was like the, the stitches huh. that made him um, want to remove the helmet. Um, but uh, so a uh, couple notes that I just have down here. I thought that first hit, especially when Cassian's doing that wraparound um, and Kachuk, because you see him, he's like standing. It's almost like he's going, wait for it, mm-hmm. wait for it, wait for it. 
and then one, two, three, four, five, boom, right? And I counted five strides only because somebody yeah. slowed it down. I mean, I hate when people sometimes they'll like slow down the video and you'll be like, well, if you look in these two frames, his yeah. foot is turned a little bit to the side. And it's like the referee didn't see that because mm -hmm. he's not playing it in slow-mo um, in high def or whatever. He's seeing it. But that to me looked intent. That was intentional. Oh, yeah. And that wasn't even like, hey, I'm going to knock this guy off the puck. It's like, I'm going to light this mf -er up, and oh, cool, he has the puck. You know, I I think the puck was kind of just like a minor detail for Kachuk at that point to try to keep it legal. But he wasn't thinking, I need to separate this man from the puck. He's like, I need to hit that man as hard as he as I can, and I'm going to wait till he has the puck, and then I'm going to do it. So Cassian snaps and retaliates. Kachuk doesn't fight back. I can understand the, the want for retaliation. I mean, I think most of us have been pushed to that point. I, I You know, I, here's the funny thing. The older I get, the more I don't like fighting in hockey. But the more <laughs> I play hockey, the more I understand the need for fighting in hockey. Now, I'm, I'm never played anything relevant. I played a little bit as a kid, and I sucked. I quit. I came back as, as an adult. But I got to tell you something. When some guy just, like, slashes you, whacks you, whatever. Like, I had a guy splat me into the boards from behind. And he got a penalty. I mean, he got he got a boarding call. But he just, he just, he knew who I was. And he just laid me into the boards. And, I mean, okay, he got penalized and that was fine. But if he didn't get penalized, I would have been pissed about that, right? So, so when it's like... Did he just not like the podcast or what? No, he just didn't like me. So I saw number 44 and he just, he just you know, laid into me. But <laughs> the thing is, is that, like, I can kind of understand that, like, if you punch a guy in the mouth, maybe he leaves you alone, right? Yeah. Like, if I had a guy, like, like if I was playing pro hockey and somebody was just going to punch me or, you know, trip me, hook me, slash me, elbow me, spear me, this and that, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to haul off, you know what I mean? And, and like, it's kind of like the bully, you know? Like, I was one of those kids that got picked on, then actually when I started standing up to bullies— they left me the fuck alone. Not only that, they they didn't just leave me alone. They gave me like a wide berth because they're like, okay, this I can't mess with this kid. You know what you I mean? Like, respect. Yeah, exactly. Well, it wasn't even that. It was just that like, you know, they, they weren't going to get anything out of me, you know, whether it was, you know, just the ability to pick on me or whatever. So I think it's like the same way in hockey. Like I even remember some big guy used to pick on me in one of our games and I slashed him on the ankle, and I said, that's your warning. And he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, you want to find out? And he left me alone after that. And this guy was bigger than me, but I wasn't going to let him just, you know, we'd go into the we'd go to the board for the puck, and it's no check, but he would just, you know, he'd always give me a little extra shot or an elbow or something, and I just got tired of it. So I kind of understand, you know, when the, the pro-fighting crowd says the players need to police themselves, I understand that. I'll admit that the WWE stuff from like the 80s and 90s was kind of embarrassing, and yet I ate that up when I was a kid. I tried watching the bench-clearing brawls from the 70s on YouTube, and I get bored of them after 30 seconds. I'm like, man, this is embarrassing. Mm -hmm. This is embarrassing before they did that like third-man-in rule and the bench-clear rules when you just have both teams empty to the ice. So, you know, the NHL has made progress in cleaning up a lot of that stuff. You know, somebody asked, and I'll let you answer this, uh, somebody, and I don't remember who it is, but they said, if Matthew Kachuk hit Connor McDavid like that, would that be a suspension? I don't think you'd be suspended for it. I think maybe the refs might have paid a little bit more attention mm -hmm. uh, and potentially called him on a charging major or something along, or charging minor, say, 
um, and, you know, try and calm him down at that point. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, Chuck is the game he plays is the is he can score, but he wants to just hammer everything he can on his eyes. And, and that's just that's the way his old man played. And, and that's the way his brothers played. And, and that's how he's going to play. And it's going to take a long it's going to take like some serious suspension work to get him to, to actually stop playing in that style. Um, but as is right now, he leads the league in the most penalties drawn. Wow. Um, yeah. So he's not essentially he's rewarded for a lot of of that style of play. He knocks people off of their game. He draws their penalties. They win in the power play just like they did last night. Right, because Calgary was given a four-minute power play. Now, uh, Scotty Upshaw, former NHLer, uh, and I saw this on Twitter, and I'm like, man, I need to start following Scotty Upshaw because this was just awesome. He said on Twitter, uh, Cassian paid the price already. His team lost a big game on his instigator penalty, smoked three times by MT, and he took it like a man, capital letters. By the third hit, he had enough and let the kid know it's still a man's game parentheses or is it sometimes a punch in the face or five is what a guy needs okay and i'm just like yeah all right you tell him bro i mean Uh again like i say i'm i as the older i get the more i'm against fighting but at the same time i kind of understand that need to like haul off and and hit somebody especially if they're doing something that's outside what you think is outside of the lines you know outside of what's acceptable um which brings the question, and so Cassian called Kachuk a pussy, and I think I would give uh, Cassian two games for saying that word, because we can't say that word anymore, with, you know, in this, this day and age. But then I would give Kachuk two games for being one, because, come on, <laughs> stick up for yourself, man. If you're going to pick on somebody bigger than, you know, you're going to go after some guy who's bigger than you, and you're going to just, you know, keep li- laying them out like that, and, and, and again we kind of say these are borderline stand up for yourself, man. Earn some respect. Back in the day, if Bob Probert checked somebody, you didn't like go after Probert. Like, Hey, you can't do that to me, man. You were just like, dude, I'm just glad he checked me and didn't like drop his gloves and, and, and fight me. You know what I yeah, mean? Break, like break your jaw or like Cam Neely, right? Like Cam Neely would hit a guy. The guy would either fight him or not fight him, but that get, that gave him a lot of room, but they knew that there was consequences. If, if you, you know, drop your gloves against a player like that. So uh, if Kachuk wants to play that borderline reckless style, that's cool. You know, just stand up for yourself. You know, it, it's kind of like putting your money where your mouth is, you know? True. Uh, would you like to learn a new word? Yes. Okay. Today's special word of the day is pusillanimous. That's P-U-S-I-L-L-A-N-I-M-O-U-S. The definition of it is Showing the lack of courage or determination. And it was shortened by soldiers, I believe, in World War One or Two, to pussy. So it's not necessarily a derogatory term involving female genitals. It is literally just a shortening of another uh, older word that's basically saying you're a coward. So that's actually what it is. I like it. Sure. Um, I like kids, it. Maybe, maybe... Maybe don't necessarily use that too much without, you know, just don't be a smart ass when using it. Don't Google it either, just in case. Um, 
But uh, yeah, lack of courage. I like that. That's that. That's what it means. So yeah, I guess I guess Cassian was uh, technically correct, although I don't think he was meaning to be correct. I think he meant it more in like the the slur or the put down. Well, it's still a put down, but you know. So yeah, so it should be interesting to see. Uh, uh, player safety already said that uh, Kachuk is not going to be uh, suspended, and uh, Cassian is having a hearing on Monday. As of recording this podcast, we don't know what happened. What do you think that he's going to get? Think it's going to be a fine? Do you think it's going to be suspension? So I understand that they're going to play each other again in three days, the Oilers and the Flames. So they'll probably make it a three-game suspension so that they're not playing each other, which I think is a shame. I'd make it a two-game suspension. Let his first game back be that game against Calgary, man. Talk about <laughs> letting letting the bull out of the cage, you know? like Yeah. When those two have to face against each other, and I think I want to say the next time – I thought the next time they played against each other was uh, the twenty January twenty ninth, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe but it uh, it's going to be must see TV. What say you, official Edmonton Oilers website? One game, two games. Oh nope nope, they're playing Wednesday, January 29th, Calgary and Edmonton, eight p.m. Mountain Time. So yep, they got a they got a match coming up. Uh, oh wait, 29th. Oh, they have a bye week. That's why. Okay, so it is their third game away. Hey, we were both right. You said, oh, I thought okay. it was at the end of the month. And I'm like, no, stupid. It's three games from now. But <laughs> we were both right. Wow. That is and so maybe cool. And maybe Cassian and Chuck were both right, too. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts on that, or you want to move on? Let's move on. Uh, Ray Shero fired by the devil. Oh, sorry. Not fired. Ray Shero was not fired by the New Jersey Devils. General manager Ray Shero and the New Jersey Devils have mutually agreed to part ways. In other words, he got fired. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so yeah. Tom Fitzgerald is going to be the interim GM. What's interesting about that is that Fitzgerald is considered one of the top GM um, candidates in the league. He actually, a couple years ago, he um, interviewed for the job with the Minnesota Wild before they decided to hire Tom, uh, uh, Paul, excuse me, Paul Fenton. Who they fired like a year later so maybe they should have hired Fitzgerald instead so now mm. Fitzgerald is the interim GM um, from what I understand uh, from uh, Greg Wyshynski, uh for ESPN wrote about that today really good article by the way um, just that like this is uh, Fitzgerald's audition because he's considered a good candidate for a GM and he's gonna have like half a season to be their GM and uh, I guess the question is um, what happened here that led to his firing and what can you do in the latter half of a season as an interim GM? I mean, it's, it's kind of like, Oh yeah, we traded Taylor hall and we have PK Subban and somebody else made a mess and you have half a season to clean it up. If you want to keep this job, that's kind of a crummy place to be in versus like getting to be the GM right before the draft. So you could kind of, feel like you're doing things right away versus like you're fixing somebody else's problems? Well, I mean, rewind it a little bit further. And and what makes it very curious is the fact that the powers that be with the Devils allowed him to trade away Taylor Hall. And it looked like he was going to essentially go clear house and rebuild in whatever image he deemed necessary. And then all of a sudden they changed their mind. I, I I don't I'm not quite sure you know why why that is. 
I, I don't know. I can't figure it out because, I mean, Taylor Hall won the heart a couple years ago. He's a, a damn good player. Mm. They got him for a steal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and uh, I mean, I understand, yeah, Edmonton needed defense, but Edmonton can also use Taylor Hall. I mean, come on. The Oilers have... Huh? Yeah, I mean, they they could have they could have gotten a lot more out of, uh, out of almost any other team than what they got. Um, I think the the rumor at the time was that they they were asking Carolina for Justin Falk, and we were like, "Hell yeah, take Justin Falk. We'll take Taylor Hall. Damn, good God." That I mean, I don't know. They were just aiming low, like they thought Taylor Hall's. Uh, of value in Edmonton was just rock bottom, and everybody knows that's not the case. That would have made one certain Justin Falk super collector very unhappy, by the way. But, sure. uh, but uh, well, Falk got moved again, or got moved anyway. So um, he still might get moved more. Well, the, the rumor mill always churns, but that's that's a story for another day. Oh, and I think it's funny that like uh, Tom Fitzgerald is the interim GM, and then Martin Brodeur is like going to advise him but made it pretty clear that he doesn't want to be a GM because he just wants to stay in, in, he wants to stay in New Jersey, raise his five kids and not uh, have to like be a GM. Who's always on call, who sometimes travels with the team, who has to travel to GM meetings and stuff like that. So Brodeur. Brodeur. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, He he wants to stick around and, and, you know, do some more car rental commercials and stuff like that. I love those car rental commercials. Aren't they wonderful? He's, He's such a good actor. He, he is funny. You know, I watched that commercial, that uh, Martin Broder Enterprise Rent-A-Car commercial, and I watch it and I say, this is so funny, and he, he has such personality in that commercial, and it, it's just sad that, like, NHL players are not mainstream. Like, you would never see that commercial anytime outside of a hockey game. You'd only yeah. see it on a hockey game, during a hockey game, and um, but you could watch any other type of TV show and you'll see a basketball player in a commercial. Right. And not even like a Michael Jordan or a a Steph Curry, but even just like other basketball players or football players. And it's just like, man, I wish hockey was mainstream enough. I mean, I wish people who didn't know hockey were laughing their ass off at that Martin Broder commercial and they're not, they're never going to see it. So that's why hipsters love hockey. I mean, yeah, you can sit there and, and get your craft beer. You can you can enjoy the game with your rolled up jeans and your your uh, finely done uh, um, mustache and beard, sitting there with your flannel shirt, whatever, and your trucker hat. And it, it you know, you're still cool because the masses don't know what the hell it is you're into. I thought high lie was the hipster sport. That's only in Miami. Oh, okay. Um, That's for yeah. Miami hipsters. Yeah. Yeah, it's too hot to grow a beard down there. What's that? It's too hot to grow a beard down there. But getting back to to the Devils and Shero, so yeah, it's it's kind of funny that they just let him go mid season, or fired him, or they mutually parted ways. Don't know. I don't know what to make of Jersey. I mean, what 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 goals can they set? I mean, maybe trying to shed some cap space, um, maybe trying to move uh, a defenseman or two. There's there's kind of this weird echo of Edmonton where if you if you look at at you know their past seasons and what they did to how they got here and what they did to get here back in 2011-12 uh, they had you know a high of 102 points 
They went all the way up to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, and then the next season was the lockout. Uh, they only had 48 points that year. Um, and Kovalchuk left to go to, to um, Russia for a while there. Uh, they were still paying for that mistake. We'll get back to Kovalchuk here in a little bit. But, yeah, everything seems to go around him. Uh, next season, 78 points. 15-16 uh, season, 84 points. 16-17 season, only 70 points. And then they land uh, Nico Hischer uh, and trade for Taylor Hall uh, in that offseason. Uh, the next year, uh, then they actually made it back to the playoffs, scoring 97 points or uh, getting 97 points on the season. But they got bounced in the first round, only winning one game. Uh, and then uh, this past uh, the the next year was 72 points. Again, they score really high in the draft. Get Jack Hughes. Uh, they also trade for PK Subban. They get Wayne Simmons few other key players that seemed like really really great moves on paper everybody was was lauding that effort saying yeah they're doing what's got to take to to get to the top making all the right moves and in the end it fell apart it really did do you play blackjack at all have you ever played blackjack i have played blackjack i think like most uh, gen xers my grandmother taught me how to play cards and that's who i learned from my grandma did you ever play in an actual casino, though? No, 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 no. I've never gone to a casino. I think gambling is, is a disease, and that's not one I want to partake in. Fair enough. That's, that, that's except that, for that, like that's... except for like my fantasy hockey, which maybe costs <laughs> ten bucks a year to just like play with some friends. That that's okay. Okay, but like well, uh, going in and playing fifty bucks a hit or whatever, I not yeah, I think. When you go to a, a casino, you're actually allowed to take a little card with you that has a chart of all the hands that you can play in blackjack. And the, that chart will tell you whether you should hit, whether you should stay, whether you should split. And it's all based on what you have in, in your, with your two cards. Mm -hmm. And you have to take into account what the dealer is showing you. Right. You can play that little card, that system all night long and lose your pants mm -hmm. because sometimes the dealer is just hot. Right. And that's basically what happened to Shiro. He played everything right. He made all the right moves with what he had and dumb luck. He, it just didn't go his way and he's got to leave the table. Yeah. That's too bad. Cause like you said, on paper, it sounded like a lot of great moves. I mean, I was excited with who they had. I mean, like you said, Hersher and Hughes and, and uh, Subban and Hall. Uh, I mean, you got the Triple H line right there, Hersher, Hall, and, and Hughes. Uh, they'll play on the same line. But still, I mean, and, and Subban, I mean, maybe just they needed maybe more solid goaltending. I mean, Corey Schneider's in the minors right now. Um, I kind of secretly hope that the Blackhawks will trade like a third round pick for him or something. And mm -hmm. maybe he'll turn it around because I don't think Robin Leonard's uh, coming back. Um, in fact, he said he was kind of insulted, not by the Blackhawks, but by fans thinking that he would take a quote hometown discount to stay with Chicago. Wow. And yeah, I don't want to bring the Blackhawks into this, not yet anyway. No, so I'm just thinking, you know, uh, I mean, Schneider was a good goalie for a while, and I think maybe he's just having kind of that 
mid-career funk and maybe he could turn it around and maybe not with the devils though obviously because it doesn't seem like they want to keep him yeah i don't know i'm not quite sure how good their defense is in front of them i mean that's that's a that's a big part of goaltending that's a big part of of why marty brodeur got so many rings and and so many shutouts there with the devils was because they built a system where he didn't actually have to do a whole lot no no. Uh, and Corey Schneider really did. He had to be the man. Yeah, I mean, Broder was a, a damn good goalie anyway. But oh, I do oh, think. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not. We're not debating that at all. I mean, you know, we're not. We're not. We're not trying to lessen his accomplishments. But it's kind of like I have the same argument about Ken Dryden. You know, mm-hmm. what's the difference between Ken Dryden and Jills Malosh? Malosh played for the California Golden Seals and yeah. the Cleveland Barons. And the Minnesota North Stars, um, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Well, the Penguins at the the mid to late '80s uh, before they got hot. But like he played on one of the worst teams, and Dryden played on the best team, and he had you know tons of Hall of Famers in front of him. Uh, so it, it's easy if you're a good goalie. It's easy to be a great goalie if you have a great team. Um, Again, not to discredit the accomplishments of, of Dryden either, um, whom I would love to meet one day. Um, and by the way, if you have not read some of Dryden's books, I mean, he wrote The Game, which mm-hmm. is considered the best hockey book ever written, which I agree. You know, in fact, I loaned that book to a guy on my team uh, who likes to read hockey books. He's actually a goalie. And I, I brought him the book. And he brought it back the next time he saw me. And I said, oh, you've only had it for a week. Are you finished? And he's like, no, I read the first chapter and it was so good. I just decided to buy the book and and just have my own copy of it. I mean, that's awesome. how, how moved he was by that book. And then um, the other book that he wrote that I think is really great is Game Change, The Life and Death of Steve Montador. I don't know if you've read that. I've heard of it. I, it's on my list. The book starts with an autopsy of Steve Montador's brain, like literally talks about what the scientist is doing during that autopsy and what they're looking for. Um, I mean, it's and then it and it intercuts between Montador's career interviews with people who played with him, played against him, who grew up with him, who knew him. And and then also about like the, uh, you know, the concussions and the brain injuries and stuff like that. Uh, so, I mean, he, you know, the game was kind of like this hockey memoir that wasn't a memoir. It was also like a history of the game, kind of hard to describe, but awesome. And then Game Change, like mixed all of these things that you shouldn't think fit together, like a scientific treatise on brain damage and CTE, right? And the history of a player who died and and who was like a, you know, second or third pair defenseman who, you know, tragically died. And then uh, what's it like? And then like a history of like concussions and and how to to solve the concussion problem. So, I mean, dude's a genius. Um, And dude was a damn good goalie. But if the dude played on the California Golden Seals, he'd maybe just be a, a damn good author. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, hey, so, did I ever? So, uh, I'm sorry to, to, to sidetrack no, no. you, but did I ever do a review for the book uh, Cold a Long Time? No. I need to. I need to pull that out and and write a review for you because that was another fantastic book. Is that another uh, one of those romance novels you keep talking about? It is. It is not. Uh, although I guess you, you could say it's a a um, bit of a chilling book of a real uh, real 
story about uh, one of the Islanders prospects who uh, was working his way up through the farm system but never could quite make it. Injuries kind of nagged him. And he uh, he retired from the game, Was uh, went off to Europe, um, still a young man, to try and figure out what – was is gonna what was he gonna do next? Go be a coach, uh, try and play somewhere else, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he disappeared. And uh, his family searched for him all over the place, couldn't find him. Um, had you know private detectives searching for him, things like that. And 25, 30 years later, he's discovered at the bottom of a glacier. I'll, oh. I won't spoil the rest, but it is an amazing story. What was the player's name? Ah, don't look this, it up. When did this happen? This happened in the late 80s. Duncan it was an McPherson. Might be. Duncan McPherson. Yeah. Yeah, he went missing. So. He went mm-hmm. missing. Yeah, I remember I remember reading about that. Um, That's just right around the time I got into hockey. So I remember reading about that in the hockey news. And I'm like, whoa, this dude just disappeared. You know, I mean, this is before GPS and, and, mm-hmm. and satellite tracking and all this Cell stuff phones. now. Yeah, I know, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, uh, Duncan McPherson, I, I I do recall that. So, um, getting back to all roads leading to Ilya Kovalchuk. Who might scored... blame for the devil's woes, but go ahead. So, okay, so um, Ilya Kovalchuk, who's still getting paid by the Kings to play for the Canadiens, making league minimum, but whatevs, had a couple of assists before Saturday night, finally got his goal. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, it was a pretty good goal. Um uh, before the the goal, he uh, I think he had a breakaway that he completely uh, missed on, but uh, come overtime, uh, he got to be the the, the star champ there. Uh, had a good turnover in their zone, um, and he skated up the ice with it. Uh, he was by himself and slowed down a little bit of uh, fast deke work uh, while just looking around, and he could not find anybody else, any of his other teammates in during overtime to pass to, and just finally took a, a fling of the puck and got it right in the goal for the game winner. Uh, all the Canadians fans just erupted, and he was a hero again. Uh, he made it look easy, like he does so, so, so many times. Um I just it was looks like there was no effort whatsoever, and and he was almost surprised that that puck went in the goal. But as it is, it was it was it was a good goal. Well, I mean, I watched that and uh, the overtime goal, the three on three goal, and he had the defender thinking he might pass. Like mm-hmm. you know, you as a defender, you break up the pass, trust that your goalie will stop the goal. But the goalie was thinking he was going to pass. The defender was thinking, oh, he's going to pass, and so. They were more intent on thinking that he was going to pass to the other man, and Kovalchuk made it look like, I'm going to pass the puck to you, and Mm. then he shoots it. So whether it was trickery or whether he was going to shoot it all along or whether he was thinking pass, pass, okay, screw it, I'm just going to shoot it. I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I didn't see any post game interviews. I don't think I would tell that. You know, like I would say it was the latter rather than. I would say it was the latter rather than the former because uh, if he, if he had actually pulled that shot off without looking at the goal whatsoever, that would have been magnificent. Mm-hmm. But he did at the last second turn and just look at his corner and take it. So, uh, the the goalie at least knew that he was looking in his direction. Yeah, the goal's a goal. It's yep. a good goal. So he's got that. 
He's got that monkey off his back. He got his first goal of the season in January, but that's okay. Um, hey, so- did you, did, would you like to would you like to know some more uh, some more Kovalchuk fun? Sure. Okay. Uh, well, it um, uh, Kovalchuk. Uh, since we also had a uh, a goalie goal. Oh wait wait uh, wait 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 hold on. We have got to talk about Whalers Night first. Oh okay all right. Oh right. why are you avoiding this? You're well, like I... Jim Jim goes it's to this... Whalers Night and he sends me video. He's at a game and he's mm. like shooting video of the Zamboni, which it was kind of funny because they projected the big Whalers logo on at center ice. Like when they weren't skating around, they'd always project this big whalers logo over the hurricanes logo. They got the Zambonis going around. They're playing eighties music. Um, the, uh, heart, excuse me, the Carolina hurricanes. So they had their whalers night on Saturday, January 11th. They beat the LA Kings two to nothing. James Reimer, uh, gets a shutout, um, second shutout in two nights for the hurricanes. Cause Mrazic got one, uh, I guess the night before mm-hmm. waiting. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Um, so what I want to know, cause I got to tell you, man, I, when you sent me that video, I'm like, oh no, it's, it's Whalers night tonight. I would have watched this game, but I was watching the Blackhawks and they got a win against the Ducks, but I tuned in. I watched the third period or most of the third period, you know, when you sent me that video from intermission and wow, I mean, that was intense and that was a win. I mean, you have to have a little luck on your side, and and the uh, the Hurricanes got lucky a little bit when the puck hit the post. But you need to have that kind of luck. I mean, yeah. also, I mean, you know, a Kings player fanned on an opportunity that came right to them um, on the, to the goalie's right towards you know the closing moments. But then the goalie also came up big, which is what you also need. You need like all of these things in place. So I think for and then they got an empty net goal, and I think so for um, a Saturday night home game throwback night they get a shutout and then they do a storm surge even though they're in whaler garb so i don't know if that makes sense um to do a storm surge wow what a cool game i mean that looked like a lot of fun the audience was so into it are, are people that psyched about going to hurricanes games like just normally or like even during the playoffs Is that there was such energy at that game when it's a when it's a close game, Canes are winning. Yeah, there's a lot of energy. Uh, and if it's a close game, the Canes are only like one behind, but they are clearly like giving it everything. Yep, there's a lot of energy in that building. That is for sure. The Whalers Night thing, um, the we had it last season as well, and that was another just you know huge success. Uh, everybody looked at, at this just being like a money grab by Tom Dundon, but it's clear that everybody really enjoyed it because it just kind of gives a little bit of freshness. You got red and and black and and silver all over the place around here. Um, so to have just like one night where everything just goes green, mm-hmm. um, just it, it throws a monkey wrench in everything, and everybody it, everybody thinks it's it's St. Patty's Day. Yeah, that's why I asked about the green beer, and you didn't get it. You're like, no, no, no I got it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, they don't have any green beer right now, unfortunately. So um, uh, we just we just have our quality craft beer. So does this dispel the myth that a quote unquote non traditional hockey market can't be hockey fans? Because those look like hockey fans to me, and I can't think they're all transplants from New York. There are a lot of transplants. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you you walk through that through the parking lot, and you will see a lot of hurricane season ticket holder stickers right next to a Pittsburgh Penguin sticker or a Buffalo Sabre sticker or a Ranger sticker. 
You know, there's a lot of dual fans mm. down here. They're still rooting for their team uh, when their team comes to town, but 80, you know, 78 to 80 games out of the year, you know, they're they're rooting for the Canes. Right. And right. there's not that many people transferring here from L.A. Right. Um, so um, I wonder, um, I mean, was was everybody just that psyched about it uh, the whole time? It was a, it was must have been a sellout, right, or close to it. Yeah, it was it was a sellout. Um, they do special merchandising. Uh, they do um, a special pack of cards, team cards. Uh, Did you get night. me one? Yes, I got you one. Thank you. As they used to say at the Thrashers games, you go <laughs> no, which actually um, the at Thrashers the one minute game, mark. At the one minute mark, people say how much time is left, and at like at like they'd say it at like one o three, and then the announcer would go one minute remaining in the period, and everybody would go thank you. Thank you. But, but then this got adapted by the Chicago Wolves because they were the Thrashers affiliate for a long time. So oh, okay. people will still say that. So the Wolves have this um, this uh, Thrashers uh, tradition. They've kept alive longer than the team that had that tradition, which is, which is funny to explain that to people uh, that like, no, no, this is when the Chicago Wolves used to be affiliated with the uh, Winnipeg Jets when they were the Atlanta Thrashers. No, not those Winnipeg Jets yet. It's just mm-hmm. can of worms, right? Yeah. Um, so, okay, cool. Uh, cards. I'm I'm excited, man. Yep. Bubble, cards, bubble. posters, autograph pucks. There was like a, there's only 250 of those, and they got gobbled up really oh, fast. Sure, I, sure. I tried to get in line for that, and I didn't even make it around the corner. But, yeah, like the uh, <laughs> – I mean, it was it was down the concourse and everything. It's it's, but yeah, I mean, people love it. People have a lot of fun. Um, it's just it's 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 great. It's it's almost like a for hockey for us anyway. It's it's almost like a um, a holiday, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean to you know to know your roots, I guess. Um, you know, two things I want to know though is why don't the Hurricanes just go? They're gonna go '80s night. They need to go all in and do the Cooper all pants. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yes. Just, just uh, go I'm not, all is in. That company even still around to make Cooper alls? I don't think I don't know what happened to Cooper. I know a lot of companies. I know like I bought out by other companies and stuff like that. I mean, I I used to have a Cooper helmet when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. I gotta admit, like some people talk about how great a Jofa helmet is, but in like the early late 80s early like the 80s and 90s like if you were wearing a helmet it was either a jofa or a a cooper or maybe it was like some weird one-off kind of helmet that you'd see from time to time um but like the cooper was like the mainstream helmet like when i got a Mm -hmm. a helmet as a kid i wanted a cooper helmet because that's what that's what the blackhawks wore that's what uh you know, uh, all, all the, the guys who wore helmets mainly wore. I mean, you had your exceptions. Like I said, your Jofa helmets here and there, like McSorley and Gretzky and Curry. A lot of guys on the same team would wear, tend to wear like, you know, Jofas. Um, but, okay, so that was the one thing. And the other thing I wonder is, is Whaler's Night like a big middle finger to the fans of Hartford? Absolutely not. Uh, I can say that with, with full assurance. Uh, we have... Uh, made for one thing like we always invite uh some of the old whalers to come down for the Mm -hmm. game so we had ceremonial puck drop with one of the whalers uh that night and we had um the team captain one of the old team captains um 
uh, for last year as well. Um, I don't know if, if it's going to be a middle finger to anybody. I guess it would be more of a middle finger to uh, Boston Bruins fans. Just like, hey, remember that kid you keep, you kept on beating up? Well, he's still alive over here. Right. Doing fine over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of that beating up had to do with the fact that the Whalers, um, all the, the teams that entered the WHA from the NHL, I mean, they lost a lot of their good players uh, when there, there was the merger because you had guys go back to the teams that held their rights. And then mm-hmm. you even had uh, teams kind of do some kind of not so um, uh, nice things as far as like you had NHL teams like selecting players or like saying, oh, this player, we have his rights. But they would bring that up after the fact. You know, or like um, they just basically strong arm him and say, yeah, we know this guy played for you for many years in the WHA. And if you want to keep him, it's going to cost you your first round pick. Um, So, I mean, uh, these teams didn't really have a chance to compete. The Oilers did because they were able to hang on to Gretzky. um, And that was because Gretzky didn't actually sign a WHA contract. He signed a personal services contract with the owner of the Indianapolis Racers who sold that contract to uh, Peter Pocklington, the owner of the Edmonton Oilers. So it wasn't actually a league contract. And also that was one of the sticking points. Like they were like, no, you're not getting Gretzky or we're not, you know, then we're not going to approve this merger because they had, they had the one, that was the one thing the WHA had that the NHL wanted more, more than anything. Well, probably that and not the, the escalating, salaries that happened and all the other problems that happened but anyway uh well that's that's good that um that the uh the night was successful that it was fun um you know another thing that happened earlier in that day jeremy roenick bared his soul for 45 seconds put a video out there online um it was he looked very sad he looked short, very morose. Sweet, very morose it was short sweet to the point um I'll, I'm going to read uh, what our our colleague Tim Parrish said. Um, Glad Jr. put this out there, but wish it wasn't necessary. In this cancer culture world of particip- participation trophies and fragile egos that we live in, this is all too common anymore. Hope he makes it back to the air soon. And I agree with Tim. Um, I don't know if it was wasn't necessary. I think it was necessary. Oh yeah. But I don't think, and Tim, I'm not trying to like talk behind your back while you're busy. Oh, what are you doing today? You're putting up window treatments. They bought some blinds and shades and stuff that had to get put up because their windows were just like not covered. So you told me they were just terrible and ugly. I I can't imagine, but you're just not a fan of that window treatment cell. I know it. Oh, yeah. Um, Don't like the Venetian. Don't like the don't like the vertical blinds. They're just. They're tacky. They're they're so 80s. Um, do you know how to make a Venetian blind? I do not. You poke them in the eye. Ouch. <laughs> I should have saw that coming. But yeah, so, so should Kassanen. Huh? So, so should Kassanen. <laughs> um, but anyway, so... Um, yeah, I think we all agreed that, like, Ronick went a little out of line. He apologized, and I just hope we could just keep it at that. Um, I don't know if they need to ever, like, I don't know, can 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 he and Catherine Tappan and, and Patrick Sharp sit at the same desk together without it being weird? 
Uh, I eventually, I imagine it'll be water under the bridge, and and we'll have moved on, and uh, we'll we'll have more interesting things to to that they'll have to talk about. So yeah, I, I imagine that that, it, that any wounds will heal, and they seem to be pretty buddy buddy with one another. Um, is what it sounds like. So I imagine they'll. Um, that that game will get back together soon enough. I imagine it all comes down to what, how NBC feels. Yeah, and and hopefully they yeah. I hopefully Ronick's back in time for the All Star game because um, I won't be watching the game for the jerseys. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know that kind of the jerseys right now. Not to get onto this because I wanted to do an All Star show towards the All closer to the All Star game, but. Those jerseys, like, remember a couple years ago, well, maybe it was six or seven years ago, when they did those jerseys that had, like, the bright neon green? Oh, yeah. And we thought, oh, what an eyesore, right? Mm -hmm. Those look nice compared to these. These are just kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah, they're, they're just, they're, they're, they're bland and boring. I, um, was, it the, was it the ones that, uh, in San, San Jose, I think, where they, they did, like, give a pretty all black treatment, but they were made out of like recycled material or something like that a couple of years ago. Yeah. I remember that. I like those. Those looks pretty good. I those like those. Are, yeah. Those are cool. I mean, those are monochromatic and I thought they looked good. Um, mm. and I understand, you know, it's kind of funny. Like the Ulster game is just really like a rat hockey game. Like later on tonight, you know what rat hockey means? Okay. No, no. Okay. Sorry. So oh, rat, I'm sorry. Yeah. Rat, yeah, yeah. R-A-T. Basically yes. it's pickup hockey. Mm -hmm, right. Yeah. So I run a pickup game once a week and I tell my guys like light, jer you know, white jerseys and dark jerseys. I don't want to say white jerseys and black jerseys because not everybody owns a black jersey, but everybody should own a white jersey and everybody should own a dark jersey. But basically the NHL just looks like a rat hockey game. We're like, well, we're all wearing white jerseys, but they have different logos on them. Kind of like when I run my rat hockey game. This side is all wearing white jerseys, but I got my Salmon Kings jersey on. Mm -hmm. Shelly's got her Austin Ice Bats jersey on. And another friend has a jersey from the team that he plays on. And, like, everybody has their own white jersey. And we just kind of see, all right, we're all on the, the, the team mm -hmm. with the white jerseys. But we, you'll, you'll, you'll have 20 people, and maybe none of them are wearing matching logos. Kind of like the All-Star game. Well, you, next time you can always suggest to play shirts versus skins. Yeah, that would suck on the ice, but um, <laughs> I think they need to go back to the much maligned um, all-star jerseys from the 80s that were like black, white, and orange. They used to be referred to as Halloween costumes because actually for a while the dark ones were orange, and then later they made the base color black instead of orange. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you did look like a pumpkin when you were in, like, this orange jersey. Yeah. Um, um, I liked it uh, a few years ago when they were, uh, when they actually had the players picking the teams before the game. Yeah. That was like so that. wonderful. That was fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the NHL, at least they're trying some fun things. I think the three-on-three -three format is working really good. Yeah. I think it's more fun. Um Maybe it'd be fun to do three-on-threes. Maybe it'd be fun to make the goalies the captains and have them pick the teams. That could be cool, too, actually. Yeah, because the goalies are always... All, they pick defensive men all first. So what? They don't want to get <laughs> lit up for, uh, you know, 11 goals. Who the hell wants to allow, you know, 10 goals in a 10-minute in a period, right? Or, mm -hmm. or a 20-minute half of a game, right? Uh, yeah. Um, oh, speaking of goalies, though, good segue, Jim. How did you know? Um, I have no idea. 
We got to talk about Pecorine. Scores an empty net goal against the Blackhawks in a 5-2 win on Thursday, January 9th. So this is the 11th goalie in NHL history to score a goal. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean shoot the puck all the way down. It could be an own goal by the other team where the goalie got credited with the goal. Or it could be the shoot the puck down the ice and it goes into the goal. That's what Rene did. Um, and I, those goalie goals are always more exciting because they're mm. instantaneous. Like, he's going for it. It's going. Is it? It is, and then there's like that instantaneous versus like, uh, somebody. Okay, uh, okay. Who was the last one to touch the puck? I think they're gonna give that one to Cam Ward. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, let's check the tape. Um, it's fun to have 200 feet of anticipation. Oh yeah, I mean it builds up, right? Yeah. Um, what I was gonna say though is like, but this cannot be more emblematic of the season that the Blackhawks are having. I mean, so this is like, you know, like those yo mama so fat jokes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So play along with me here. This is going to be like one of those, your hockey team so bad jokes. So I'm going to be like, your hockey team so bad. How bad is it? Your hockey team so bad that the other team's goalie is scored on your team. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, that's, you cannot, I mean, that is a low point. One of my teammates was at that game, and I looked at him, and I said, dude, you saw history get made. And he goes, mm-hmm. that's not the history I want to see. And I, and then somebody's like, what was the fan reaction like? And he's like, oh, man, everybody was booing. Like, nobody was like, wow, this is pretty cool. This has only really happened, like, you know, 13 times in, in one way or another in 125 five years or, or sorry, a hundred years of NHL history. So like, um, yeah, he said that like the fans were really uh, pissed about it and booing. And I'm thinking back to my days of going to Chicago when I would go to games at Chicago stadium. See now fans don't throw things on the ice. That's what I was waiting for. After Pekka Rene scored the goal, I was waiting for the ice to fill with debris. That doesn't happen anymore for two reasons. One, uh, the, or three reasons. One, I think the fans are a little more respectful of that. Two, um, you will get kicked out. Uh, I mean, you would get kicked out anyway, but when you had, uh, you know, 3,000 people throwing paper beer cups on the ice at the same time, which one do you throw out, right? And especially... Well, that, and beer's expensive now. No, empty cups. The empty oh. beer cups, right? Well, people, the full but, ones travel further from the 300 section. Well, first, what you do is you dump it You dump it out on the people in, fr- in front of you. So what would happen was Chicago Stadium, like you had your mezzanine, and then it was like a layer cake, so or like a wedding cake where it went up, up, right? Like mm-hmm. you had the first balcony that was stacked on the mezzanine because you'd have your box seats, which were 30 rows. Then you'd have six seats of mezzanine. And then the other 30 or 40 seats in the mezzanine were covered by the first balcony. And then the first balcony was covered by the second balcony. So it just like went straight up. So if you were on the second balcony, you could throw a paper cup and hit center ice. Or if you were in the first or second balcony and you poured your beer out, you would splash all the people in the mezzanine who were rows five and mm-hmm. forward. We were in row six, so we never got splashed by beer unless it bounced off of somebody and hit one of us. Then we just like put our hands up to protect ourselves, kind of like in a Blue Man show, you yeah. know, Blue Man group show where you put up the, the poncho. It'd be like, okay, empty net goal, looking up, waiting for the beer to come raining down, and then people would throw their cups on the ice. So... Mm-hmm. I was 
That's what would have happened in the old Chicago stadium days. And then the next day, Mike Keenan would have bag skated them for three hours. Kind of like that scene at Miracle, you know. Um, for well, like- Chicago, Chicago is, is a town that suffers no fools having their day. If you go to a Wrigley, Wrigley Field and the, the visiting team hits a home run, that ball ain't staying in the stands. It's getting thrown right back on the field. Yeah, yeah, they don't want that. They don't want that. They don't care who you are. Uh, so uh, anyway, so um, the first goalie, just a little trivia here. First uh, goalie was Billy Smith in 1979. He was credited with a goal, but did not shoot it. Um, Rob Ramage scored an own goal against his net for the Colorado Rockies. So I say first, yeah, first goalie to score a goal or credited with scoring a goal, Billy Smith. But the uh, second goalie to score a goal and the first one to actually do the deed of shooting the puck down the ice was Ron Hextall, one of the best puck handling goalies of of his time. Makes um, sense. Probably one of the first really good puck handling goalies. Um, shot the puck down the ice into an empty net. Um, and then, of course, Carolina, we've got to talk about your team because why not, uh, was on both the giving end and the receiving end of, of the, uh, the goalie goals. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, I know I was, I think I was there for both. Um, if, if, if I remember the second one, uh, the first one, uh, was a goal that was credited to Cam Ward. Uh, and, uh, it was against the Thrashers, I believe. Nope. Devils. No, it was, it was Devils. Yeah. But I know who you're thinking of. It was the Devils in, uh, 2011. It was during the 11, 12 season okay. and our buddy yep. Buttercup Kovalchuk. Why yep. did you build me up Kovalchuk just to let me down? Cause all roads lead, lead to Kovalchuk. Uh, yep, he uh, he lost his his footing on the ice while uh, trying to set up with the uh, man advantage, and the puck skittered away from his stick and went the opposite direction down the ice, went right in the goal. And initially, they credited it to one of the Carolina skaters, mm-hmm. but when they went back and looked by the end of the game, they realized that Cam Ward was the last player to touch the puck. And so he was accredited for having a goal. And they told him later on in the in the locker room. He was like, oh, that's neat. Yeah, I mean, it was like they told him after the fact. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he got to experience the. Uh, yeah, uh, getting getting announced on the ice and, you know, then getting to race towards your bench so you can fist bump everybody. You know, he didn't get that fun. Right, right, right. And then what about the other one? I mean, and I got I got the details here. <laughs> not trying to test your memory, but you said you were at the other one. So that was when Martin Brodeur was credited with the goal against the hurricanes. That was, uh, in 2013 during the 12, 13 season. Well, I guess that was the 13 season. Cause that was a lockout um, year. I think that was, it was Jordan stall. Yeah. It was Jordan stall. I believe lost it. And it pinballed off of, uh, the boards. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just, I mean, you, you, you couldn't do this on purpose. But it was just a, a a dumb angle that hit that, and there was no stopping that puck from going all the way down the ice and going in. Although yep. Dan Ellis did think about it because he was he was going to the bench, mm-hmm. the extra attacker, and then uh, it's hard to get a good angle because I tried watching that on YouTube. But it's funny because I, I see like his skates, you know, you see like his feet at the top of the screen because he's like changing direction and he's coming back. But then you yep. see him going from striding to gliding when he realizes that there's no it's way he's going to get to it. And, it was moving pretty quick. Yeah. And I mean, the goalie's focused on 
getting to the bench as fast as they can. But that, and usually they're looking for a the player on the other team. And if they see a player on the other team coming back, they hurry back. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, this was the puck. So maybe he's like, all right, we got control. We're in deep. I'm beelining for the bench. Oh no, what's happening. And he like turns around and it's funny because, so um, it's not actually an empty net goal because Ellis never left the ice. So he's still, it's still counted against him as a goal. And you can actually say that Marty Brodeur scored a goal against another goalie. So Mm -hmm. Brodeur scored an empty net goal. He scored a goal that he was credited with um, in that manner. But then he also scored a goal that he was credited with in that manner but against another goalie. So I guess that makes him the ultimate. I don't know if that makes him more uber because Hextall fired it down twice and mm-hmm. scored both times. I mean, both goals that he has were goals that he shot down the ice. Broder only shot one down, one down the ice, but then he also is noted as having a goal against an, a goalie, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's not like he beat him one-on-one, but it was still pretty funny. Yeah, it's and I mean, again, Brodeur is is was such an amazing player that and and you know such a good puck handler mm-hmm. that you know he he made the league put in that stupid trapezoid, mm-hmm. which I think I think should be gone now because he's gone. Okay, the Brodeur rule, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love to see goalies have the ability to play the puck more freely. Um, I think that would, uh, I think that would help with, with making the game exciting again. I think it's not exciting now, but I think goalies made more mistakes before that's exciting. You know, they were more likely to be like, Oh, here's the puck. I'm going to go stop it from coming around the corner and pass it out. And it would like take a bad hop and go Mm -hmm. right to their opponent and they would just fire it in, you know? So it's, it definitely, um, curtails their ability to make mistakes. I mean, if they can't, if they're limited to where they can shoot the puck from or handle the puck from. Yeah. I mean, they could remove it. Um, I don't really think about it that much. We don't because we're just used to it now, but you know, when, when you, when you talk about Brodeur and, and the effect that he had on the league, you can't help but bring that up. And then you have to think about it. No, yeah, that's that's true. So, okay, so our two wishes then are for um, the league to remove the trapezoid and for more uh, Enterprise Rent-A-Car commercials starring Marty Brodeur, uh, who we all know uh, is the greatest St. Louis Blues goalie in St. Louis Blues history. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you can when it comes to St. Louis Blues, you have to like put him right next to Wayne Gretzky's time in in the the Blue Note as well. Oh my I mean, God, those, yes. those two are, are inseparable from those uniforms. Oh my God, you are so right. I mean, we could do we could do like an all star team of like Blues players that were like either just visiting for five minutes or at the end of their career. I mean, Glenn Hall played admirably for the Blues their first three years. Um, I mean, he was at the end of his career. But he was a damn good goalie. I mean, he got him in the the finals. One of those expansion teams was going to make the finals. But yeah, you're right. Gretzky and Brodeur. How about that? Two of the greatest St. Louis Blues of all time. Mm-hmm. Who would have thunk it? I think I'm out of uh, stuff to talk about. I'm at the end of my notes here. Anything else you want to add before we uh, call it a wrap? 
I think we've covered just about all the major news of the week here. All right, then I'm just going to close this out by saying, you know, thank you for listening as always. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends that there's this hockey podcast. Sometimes we talk straight up hockey. Sometimes we talk hockey cards. Sometimes we talk a little bit of both. We're fans just like you. Also, uh, be sure to like and subscribe. And uh, until next time, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.